Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. I am so excited today because, as I've told so many of you before, some of the best relationships I have made have been on the road at these conferences, and I met the absolute sweetest lady in um, Alabama last month, and I have the honor of having Suzanne Shires, Master Herbalist and Homesteader from Henderson, North Carolina, on the podcast today. Hi, Suzanne. Hi. Glad to be here. I'm so appreciative of you being coming on. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. It was really nice meeting you, by the way. Uh, we I just enjoyed that that show so much, getting to, to chat with you. Um, I'm as I said, I'm originally from North Carolina. I'm a, a native uh, here in the mountains in the Appalachian area. Um, I've became a master herbalist several years ago, and I've been an herbalist for about 20 years. Uh, my great grandmother actually was a root digger uh, and my mother helped her as a little girl would help her out in the woods in the fields and they would dig roots and my great-grandmother would would sell those um, it kind of got lost the herbalist side kind of got lost but several years ago uh, when my son was little um, and I remembered uh, I, something happened to him one day and and I just panicked and I called my mom mom what I do this I don't remember now what it was that happened and she said oh honey I can't remember let me call mama her mother and uh, so my grandmother wound up calling me and she said now, now, very very Appalachian woman now honey you go out there and get you some of this and I did, and I put it on his little whatever, his little boo-boo, whatever, and it just stopped his, stopped him from crying, Aww. and I just became connected to it at that point, and just so I decided to uh, pursue a formal education uh, in herbalism, and I've had my, I've, I've been a, a homesteader for um, years, um, ever since uh, I was old enough to have my own place. I was having gardens. I grew up with gardens, uh, acres of gardens because we had a big family, uh, corn and peas and greens. So I got into the wild food side uh, kind of accidentally. Um, just, just I learned about a couple of little things and it just hit me. Well, all of this stuff should be uh, edible. You know, so I started, I started researching and finding out more and more uh, what was edible. And I would ask my grandmother, do you remember eating this? Uh, she would get, make dandelions with collards and poke salad. And um, yeah, you can eat that and you can eat this and you can eat that. So it just kind of grew from there. And it's been a lifelong passion now. So what a blessing to be able to have your grandmother teach you those skills and that you, you know, respected the amazingness of them be- while you still had her to ask. Yeah, she was she was a, a big help for a while. Uh, I lost her several years ago, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I could just ask her about this <laughs> herb or that right. that plant, and that you live and learn. You know, I always grew up rural myself. You know, we had a cattle ranch, and my dad was a hunting guide, and you know, always had gardens and that type of thing. 
but I didn't really start this whole path towards self-sufficiency until about six or seven years ago when my husband got sick. And I look back on it now and I wish I had my dad and grandpa to, you know, my grandpa grew up during the depression. My dad, you know, grew up in the forties in Tennessee and they just had so much information that I just didn't see valuable in my younger years. That's, that's unfortunate. And Mm -hmm. it happens a lot, but it's, there's such a resurgence nowadays, I think because time's getting hard, um, prices are going up, people are Mm -hmm. getting a little bit closer to growing their own food and just working their own land. And that seems to be a goal now. Um, So I, and I am so appreciative of that. And I try to help people anywhere I can, if they're trying to get their land or they're trying to get their homestead started, I'm going to help them as much as I can so that um, I'm glad you got yours and and, uh, that that it's going well. Yeah. You know, it's, that's what I think what I love about this, the modern homestead movement is that we're all kind of here for each other and all working towards the same goal that, you know, for those of us that missed out on those opportunities, learning younger, we still have that opportunity now. Yeah. And you can do it. You can homestead on a quarter of an acre. Um, you do have to make, you know, certain adjustments, but mm-hmm. you may not have a cow, but you could have rabbits or a chicken and, uh, to, you know, to anything to make, uh, to make life a little bit more sustainable. And that's when neighbors and farmers in your area come into play. People like yourself, um, if you have a steer or, or you're, you're selling eggs or, mm-hmm. or even you have milk from goats or sheep or, or cows, um, it's for sale. And you, if, if you don't have your cow, but you can have access to fresh milk from someone else. Well, you barter that you, you work, yep. you work trade, you do things like that. Cause there's always something to do on a homestead, right? As, as you know, you know, we yeah. actually will let, um, sometimes a 4-H kid or two raise their hog out here and oh, they yeah. have to come and help us mill feed and that's their oh, pay. Yeah. That would be great. Mm-hmm. And it gives, you know, kids a chance to come work on a farm that, you know, don't necessarily have the space to do that because yeah. they live in town or something. So that's a lot of fun. That's great. I take in an, a t- I not take in, that sounded terrible. Uh, <laughs> I take an apprentice uh, mm-hmm. here and there. And the first thing we do is we get out there and learn the difference in what's the weed and what's the, the herb, what we're going to keep. So little things like weeding gardens, getting grass out of beds when you're trying to grow herbs, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the knowledge that you get, we've kind of lost that. Um, having our granny mentors mm-hmm. <clears throat> and our grandfather uh, grandfather mentors uh, to because they just kind of moved slower, more at a at a kid's pace. We kind of lost that for a couple of generations, mm-hmm. but it's coming back now. And I love seeing that multiple generation family, even if it's not your own grandparents. If you take on a uh, a neighbor, a young neighbor with, with young children and you teach them what dandelions are or you show them where milk comes from or how to gather eggs and you have to be gentle with those fresh, warm eggs, uh, you know, in their hand and you can't crush mm-hmm. them little things that uh, will make an impact on a kid or a young family, even an older family. They don't have to be young. They can be middle-aged and suddenly have mm-hmm. that, um, that desire um, to, to get back to nature or to get back to uh, a little bit more self-sufficiency. I love that. I'm actually working with a couple of families right now that they're starting to have their first grandkids. 
And the families have decided we, you know, we want to homestead because we don't want to feed our grandkids what is available for food. Right. They've come to me to have me help them start yeah. those processes because that's, I get a lot of people with kids coming to me because I have my homeschool curriculum and they're like, we want to teach our kids this, but what are our next steps? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and food is horrible these days. If you're, oh. if you are on a processed diet and you're not getting any fresh food or even fresh food in the grocery store is still has a problem, has, has yeah. lots of problems these days, but when you can grow it and uh, get it a little bit healthier and you have somebody showing you how to do that, um, because it's not easy. That first garden, that first year, when you break ground and you've got a handful of seeds and you don't know what kind of soil you have, mm-hmm. uh, you don't, a lot of people don't even realize how much shade they have. And it's kind of a, a a shock, a little bit of a sticker shock, I guess you'd say, when they purchase all these tools and all these seeds, and then they Ooh, they don't yeah. they get one little measly tomato. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's very disheartening. So my the the best advice: don't get discouraged. You know, it, it takes a little practice, um, and it's you, it's obvious that uh, that it does because people work at it for years. They they read books, mm-hmm. they learn soil, they learn amendments, they find out what manure will do, and you know, finding somebody like you who has some of those things, and you may sell them, or you may start a vermicompost, or or anything like that too, that's going to benefit your soil and make your next garden better. If this one didn't do what you needed, don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah. You know, I was speaking of vermicompost. We had to do a little work on our garden beds this year and we went out there and we dug up the whole side. It was the side was start, uh, the post broke. And so we had to dig it all out and put the side back up and put rebar in. And we dug out that whole side and we were finding worms I mean, a foot long and, you know, probably a half inch in diameter or more. And I mean, I haven't seen those in North Idaho ever, or even on the West coast. Like that's like South size worms, you know, and we were so excited. Um, We actually, we had the boys, the three and five-year-old they went and uh, dug a big hole in, an, in another bed. And that was their job was to catch all the worms and put them in the oh, other wow. bed and bury them <laughs> so that we wouldn't accidentally cut them while we were yeah. digging up that other bed. And they were so proud of themselves to have a job. So yeah, yeah. we have one here that gets uh, it's actually an invasive and they get huge, but they're a jumping worm. If you walk, oh. if you look at them, they're, they're very wiggly and very just, they just, Really, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, I wasn't thinking about it, and I can't remember the name of it now. But it's uh, it's an invasive worm, and they actually are a little bit detrimental because they they stay at the top of the soil and they don't dig down like the mm. um, like the true earthworms do, like wigglers and things. Mm-hmm. So it has become an issue. I think I have them, um, and they are big and fat, like you like the ones that you mm-hmm. were talking about. But you'll know these; you'll know these very easily. Yeah, I they think just, they're so wiggly. I think my five-year-old would have lost his mind if because he <laughs> he's not a huge fan of worms in general because he says they're slimy. And we were like, well, yeah. these aren't slimy because they're all covered in dirt, you know. So yeah. <laughs> he was he actually like got on board and did his job. I think if one of those would have jumped at him, (laughs) (laughs) I think we would have known. (laughs) Yeah. 
um yeah so okay I've been really excited to have an herbalist on the podcast because that's a subject we haven't covered yet you know I would really love to hear what a master herbalist is but then you know and I'll remind you after we talk I'd like to hear like some actionable type steps for somebody who's wanting to get into herbalism or just like a dabbler like myself. Okay. Um, sure. A, a master herbalist does more formulary. Um, it's knowing the, knowing your herbs is key. Uh, even if you are starting out and you know one herbs, most people start as a, I kind of call it my gateway herb, uh, dandelion, because dandelion is so good for liver and skin and other issues. Learning the parts of a dandelion, how to work with it, Um, and the things that it's good for. Uh, But once you go to a higher level, it's not just the herbs, it's constituents, it's the properties in the herbs, uh, what they will do for you, like like phytosterols or um, flavonoids, things like that, that you learn. Uh, They're fairly common words if you know anything about nutrition, but they Mm -hmm. haven't been applied uh, from from an herbal standpoint they haven't really been applied because the companies or the labs that are doing the studies don't really look for those things in wild plants because they can't be my my theory is because they can't they be can't monetized <laughs> they can't be trademarked so but they can pull out a, a constituent of one plant and put it in with with something else and mar- and trademark that uh, however, I didn't mean to get into all that, but oh uh, no, that's I, I'm nerdy. So talk nerdy <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, if you're looking to get started in a herbalism, find a good school um, that, and there's a lot of beginner schools. That's great. You can you can uh, do like a 12 week course, and there are people that say you don't need to go to school for that. The difference is now, as opposed to say a hundred years ago is that we had granny mentors. So um, we don't have that guidance nowadays. And you really do need to have a little bit of guidance. It's it's fine to get information from a book, but you really do need to have somebody to help you answer those those little questions that come up. Do I use this much or do I use that much? Do I use this part? Do I use that part? Is Is this herb better dried? Is it better fresh? Little things that you, you don't, you just don't find out uh, from a mm-hmm. book. If it's, if it's a question in your mind, there's nobody there to do that interaction with. So if okay. you find a group, um, I'm about to start an online granny mentor program. As a oh. matter of fact, and we'll meet once a week for a live session. And then those will be recorded and I'll take questions. We'll talk about, about a specific herb, how to work with it. And then, um, you know, especially if it's in season, um, here's what's coming up. Here's what to look for. You're going to use this for this or that. Um, So it works that way. And and the granny mentor, especially in Appalachia, it was just a common thing that um, an, 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 a, a teenage girl or younger even, or sometimes it was a boy would go and live with a, with a granny uh, or someone else, especially from a big family. Uh, she would go and learn these things and come back and, and help her family. Um, so, I love granny, that. Let me know when that group is okay. live. Cause I really want to tell people about that one. That's yeah. a ex- really that. exciting. 
Yeah, it's and and I can guide people that way. I can guide more people than I could in a, at an in-person class. Um, but I have beginner students who we start with one herb. I usually will ask people, what are you interested in? Are you looking for any viral herbs, especially with what we just went through the last couple of years? That's been a big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what's a vital people, herb? A vital herb for the, the antiviral. Oh, oh okay. antiviral. Yeah, antiviral oh. herb. Yeah, like, okay. like viruses. Yeah, uh, antiviral, antibacterial um, antimicrobial. These mm-hmm. are herbs that have that affinity for the, to the body. Uh, it won't be like a, um, for example, uh, a penicillin, it won't be penicillin, but that herb does promote that, that, um, process in the body. It helps your body fight. Uh, it's, so it don't think of these herbs as an antibacterial. You think of them as, as helping the body heal. Okay. Uh, and that's a, that's a problem. A lot of people expect herbs to work just like a peel. Um, P-I-L-L. I say that funny. That's the Southern way of saying P-I-L-L, peel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forget sometimes. <laughs> but, um, so, you anyway. know, my whole family is from the South, so I yeah. understand you, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even my husband lived in North Carolina for 12 years. So. Oh yeah. So he knows. And I say milk, M-I-L-K. It's, it usually comes out milk. So it's, it's so funny. He gets story. on the phone and has a totally different voice. Oh yeah. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. That happens. He talks he talks to me like a Californian. <laughs> and he gets on the phone, which we're not we don't live in California anymore, but we did, you know. He gets yeah. Uh, he talks to me like a Californian. He gets on the phone and talks like he's from South or North Carolina. So yeah, yeah, it happens. Yeah, it happens. And and people that move here, give them six months. They're they're saying milk, <laughs> right? Well. well, my daughter said a uh, a uh, wretch the other day, and I was like, oh. oh my goodness, like you've been listening to dad too much. <laughs> you wrenched wretch that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that one. <laughs> well. um, I would suggest to anybody who's looking to get into herbalism, find a good book and then find a good school. There are some inexpensive schools um, out your way, a little more towards your way uh, out West. Uh, a friend of mine, the um, her name is Amber Robbins, the Bitter Herb Academy. Very good. Um, here, uh, my school, Daryl Patton in the South. Um, let's see who else. I'm drawing a blank. There are I'll make several. sure I link all these too. Yeah. Uh, Daryl Patton is the Southern herbalist. Uh, the bitter herb is Amber Robbins, Robbins, Robinson, I think. Um, and then there's others too. Joey Nofstinger is in Tennessee and um, several others. Um, I can get you a list of people okay, that yeah, I know I'd love that. And recommend. So, and uh, then there's larger schools as well. Heirloom Academy. I'm going back for a naturopathic doctor. I decided I needed more initials. So I love it. <laughs> no, I'm just always learning. It's just a thing about learning. I love it. Um, so I'm going back for uh, functional nutrition uh, and naturopathic doctor. Uh, and that's Heirloom Academy. And that one's in Michigan. So I, that's- I am so in awe of you. Oh, <laughs> well, I you. love it. Yeah. It's, uh, there's the naturopathic doctor, uh, and naturopathic, uh, functional nutrition is really fascinating for me, especially because I'm, I'm so into wild foods. Mm-hmm. My next book is coming out next month and it's a wild foods book, wild foods yeah. from beyond the garden gate. It should I be out been in excited May. for that one to come out. So it's coming yeah. out in May. Yeah. Should be out in May. All right. Unless I hit a glitch. <laughs> 
the last of the editing is going on right now. So <laughs> I know how that one goes. I have yeah. <laughs> I have finished books the night before release yes. and had them available for download. The next yes. Morning. Yes. So. so you know how that works. <laughs> yes. So tell me a little bit more about that book. That is a collection of about 200 wild food recipes. I give a profile on each plant. Uh, there's a one to two page with, with at least two pictures of every plant so that you can identify it. Uh, in the recipes, if I call for say four wild ingredients and you don't have those, I give you a mundane, what I call a mundane as well. So like wild onions, for example, if you don't have wild onions, if you're under three feet of snow and you can't get any onions, well, you can use chives or, or garlic or what have you. Uh, greens, a lot of, a lot of uh, fresh greens that I have, of course I'm in the South, so I have a little bit more access than, than someone farther North, but you can use kale, you could use collards, uh, different different things like that, okay. the spices, the ingredients in the spice blends that I give. Um, I always give an ex, uh, a, a mundane for those like sumac, for example. Sumac grows here in the South and it's a lemony tart, uh, wonderfully flavorful citrusy type um, herb. And you can make a seasoning or you can make lemonade with it, different, different things like that. Uh, but if you can't get sumac and you still want that seasoning, well, we can just use a lemon pepper seasoning. Oh, okay. you know, so I give you a mundane with everything. So anybody will be able to make these recipes. If you have yeah. one wild food, you can make something in that book. I That is such a great book to have because, I mean, I feel like a lot of us, you know, we're good cooks or we know a little bit of foraging, right. but not kind of both. And yeah being able to bring that together and have it all in one place. I mean, I'm just, that's going to be wonderful. Yeah. And I'm a dash of this half, you know, handful of that. So it took me a while to make these, <laughs> to make these, recipes oh, I'd have to go and make it and think, okay, did I use a whole handful or, or, or a half a handful? <laughs> I've, I've written a small cookbook and I was yeah. definitely like, I don't know. I just put stuff in until my ancestors in. tell me to stop. <laughs> well, what if you don't like this, this ingredient? Well, don't use it, <laughs> you know, make it, make it the way you like it. So uh -huh. uh, I do give general, um, and I have this whole chapter on how to use the book. Um, if you don't have it, here's, you know, look for the substitute. If you do have it, but you don't like it, you don't have to use it, or you can use it in a different way. Um, and even in ferments, I do a lot of ferments. And the next book, because I've already got started on it over the last few years, is a ferment, uh, like kraut, sauerkraut, okay. pickles and things. Yeah. And if you don't like a spice, don't put it in. Or if you if you like, uh, if you don't like this particular ferment when it's a couple weeks old, sit it in the back of the refrigerator. It may be better at two months. So, um, you know, there's you can do things like that in this book too. And the name of that is Wild Things from Beyond the Garden Gate. And it's it's a collection of Suzanne's recipes. <laughs> oh, great. Lots of pictures, lots of pictures. So, okay. I am a like brand new beginner forager herbalist. I do very little of it, just what I know I have in my yard. And um, 
I'm, you know, the only one I can really get my kids motivated for is berries, but that's, you know, I'm okay with that one too. <laughs> we, we have huckleberries up here. So we're oh. in one of those unique spots and we yeah. love them. the, the kids will go pick all day long. I mean, we'll have gallons of, um, um, with the promise that they get huckleberry ice cream that night. So oh, wonderful. I'll have to get that recipe from you. Most definitely. You <laughs> um, but one of the ones that is really big in our area, and I mean, it's just a little one, but it's the dandelions. Mm-hmm. Now okay. I've seen a really good dandelion pesto. I want to try this year and, you know, we're just putting dandelions in our, uh, salads, but everyone mm-hmm. makes dandelion jelly. Is mm-hmm. there any benefit to that? Or does it just taste good? Oh, it, it not only tastes good, but it's very beneficial. The flowers uh, have are, are full of vitamin C, vitamin A, minerals okay. as well. The greens have chlorophyll, of course. And I have found most people uh, will agree that if when you look at the flower, you'll want to take out the little, um, oh gosh, I can't remember what it's called, the green part on the flower. It's um, on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, if you will roll that flower between your fingers, you can just pull out the, the petals really easy. It okay. just kind of loosens them up, makes it a little bit easier because you can sit there for hours and, and de-petal dandelions <laughs> till you just get tired yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you usually only see like one or two jars of jelly. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, we have 40 acres that are covered with dandelions right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my little ones will go out there and pick dandelions all day long. Yeah. And my husband likes it because it gets them out of our grass. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. We, we well, you know, on our 40 acres, we have one yard, which is our play slash barbecue area. And right. he's not a fan of dandelions. So. I see. Yeah. Well, if he knew how, how healthy they were, maybe he would change his mind, but. Oh, he knows. Uh, he just doesn't want them in his barbecue area. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> well, get them out there looking for those dandelions. And then um, you can make, you, you mentioned pesto. I absolutely adore pesto. Um, and I use it in so many ways. Like for example, I made a pea salad, a shrimp and pea salad yesterday, put some wild onions mm. in it. I grabbed a, a few dandelions that I have growing right beside the door. Um, the petals, I sprinkled those in and then the leaves, I just chopped those up with the wild onion and some gar- some garden garlic as well. But the pesto, I put that in with a little bit of mayonnaise and that was my dressing. Just, just like that. I didn't have to add anything else. I think I did add a little bit of salt uh, because that pesto didn't have much salt in it. But pesto, I keep a jar of pesto in the fridge all the time. And okay. my favorite recipe for that is instead of using pine nuts because they're so expensive, you can use um, sunflower seeds, toasted sunflower seeds, toasted. I was actually uh, going to say the reason I don't like pesto is because I don't like pine nuts. Yeah. Pi- uh, toasted. I, I love sunflower seeds. Yeah. Pepitos, uh, pecan. I'm not pecan. Well, you can use pecans, black walnuts. Um, I use uh, pumpkin seed. Uh, even watermelon seeds can be toasted and ground up and used in those in a pesto. And then I'll use nutritional yeast instead of Parmesan. Oh, so I have some of that. Yeah, it's just a nutty flavor, nutty, cheesy flavor. And then your, of course, your oil and your, um, your greens. And I always put a little touch of a lot of people have lemon balm, uh, a Mm -hmm. few leaves of lemon balm from the garden. It's really good uh, in with your dandelion pesto. And if you don't have enough dandelions, throw in a little bit of 
doesn't have to be basil. You can throw in kale or spinach. Um, or uh, if you're looking in your yard and you have chickweed, uh, if, you, if anybody knows what chickweed is, that's a real common green as well. So you can throw in those and um, cleavers. I make a pesto with cleavers that if anybody knows what cleavers are, it's the, it's the inspiration for Velcro. You can, <laughs> I've got in my first book, I've got a picture of it, of a leaf, of a stem of it thrown up over my chest and it just sticks. You just can't, it, it's just sticky. So it doesn't leave like little burrs, but it just mm -hmm. has the Velcro feel. Most people don't like to eat that, but when you grind it up and put it in a pesto or steam it, it's wonderful. And the flavor is so good. And it's a lymph cleanser or a lymph mover. So if you have stagnant lymph, especially like along your jawline, if you, if you feel like you have some, um, some um, swelling there or a little bit of tenderness, um, I would suggest anybody just go on YouTube and look for a, uh, a lymphatic massage. Uh, and you just gently move your hand, your finger along your jawline to help your lymph move away. And there's a, there's a, a process to do it but it's from the chin to your jaw, uh, across your jawline, back below your ear, down your neck to a spot there in your collarbone. And you can, you wind up doing it all over your face behind. And, and it's so, it makes, makes you feel so much better. Even if you don't have congestion, it just helps it move. Your body needs to move lymph. Yeah. And cleavers are wonderful for that. Uh, the chickweed as well. So. That's what I'm like taking notes right now. So yeah. So if you have chickweed or cleavers, or you want to see a picture of chickweed or cleavers, I'll be glad to, to show one. I'll, I'll send you one and you can put it on your, uh, on your page and say, we talked about yeah. cleavers in the podcast. Oh, so, I would love that. Cause I do a blog post for every podcast I do. Yeah, so that'll yeah. be great. I'll send you a good picture of one. Okay. Um, so I have a couple questions that I want to make sure we cover because they're sure. like, they're in my, you know, <laughs> one of them. <laughs> You know, so being a homeschooler, uh -huh. um, you know, we're always wanting to teach our kids, but I also teach at my co-op and next week is our, I teach my homestead science at co-op and next week is foraging and the dandelions are crazy right now. So I think yes. that would be a really fun one with the five to seven-year-olds. Yes. Um, because, you know, they love picking them, but what would be a good way to let them eat them right there in class? In class, you could, um, let's say you could do. We do sugared, have a small kitchen. Okay. Uh, you could do sugared dandelions. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where uh, you, you can make a salad, which it would take a lot of them to make a salad. But you could certainly um, put uh, like a honey, infuse a honey with them and make a, um, one thing that I would do, uh, would do with my son when he was little, we would pick dandelions and pull out the petals. And I would take a, a pat of butter and about a tablespoon of honey, mix that together to make a um, like a paste and then uh, sprinkle our dandelions in it, stir that up. And then you could serve that on a cookie or a cracker. Oh, um, that's a really good so that idea. Would, that would be really something really easy. Little hands could do with a fork, mash up the butter, you know, soften the butter, of course, and doesn't have to be melted, just soften it to room temperature. And then they could mash and stir their own little little saucer of, of honey and butter and sprinkle those dandelions in there. If you had other 
um, flowers available that you know are edible, you could certainly put those in as well. Okay. Um, uh, well, North Idaho, we just got rid of the snow last week. Oh so. yeah. So it might be a little <laughs> early for that. Um, yeah. And you know, everyone, I, I keep bringing up the dandelions, but it's kind of a big deal here. Cause that's when we plant our potatoes Gotcha. gotcha. and it's Idaho. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> they're pretty, pretty important. In yes. <laughs> so when the dandelions bloom, you plant your potatoes. So gotcha. that's kind of a big deal right now. And so, yeah. Yeah, that, um, that makes sense. <laughs> everybody's talking about it. Yeah. They're you a little concerned because it. snow isn't off a of Baldy Peak yet. So oh, yeah. they're like, the dandelions are out and the snow isn't gone yet. What do we do? You know, so I mean, it's it's big news in our small town. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been crazy here. We've our, our bloom on blueberries has come and gone and we're mm. about to have another frost. Mm. So this week, there'll be another frost. So I'm hoping the uh, the peaches and the blueberries will be okay. Oh goodness. Can you cover them in some way? Yeah. Yeah. I've got this one pretty big, uh, pink lemonade blueberry. It's so good. My dog will get out there and eat them off the bush. So I oh, have to protect these bushes from my dog. My three-year-old but, uh, summer, similar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Another thing you could do too, is make dandelion lemonade. If they want to drink, if you get enough, yeah, you wouldn't have to pull the, um, you wouldn't have to pull the greens off of the flowers for this. And you can just take and simmer those in some water. Don't boil them. It might make them a little bit bitter. Okay. Just simmer, simmer those in some water, like a cup or two of buds um, in a little bit of water. Put your uh, some lemon in there as well. And uh, then strain that out, add your sugar to taste. It doesn't take a lot of sugar or honey if you'd prefer to use honey. And then just make your lemonade. And then you can float some dandelions on top of the pitcher as well. Oh, they would probably have a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to get kids started. And they can even pull these apart with their little fingers. You know, little hands always need something to do. They can pull those out and just taste those petals. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just they're, they just have a great flavor. And, that's awesome. I will definitely do that. Yeah. So when it comes to identification, um, you know, I know there's a lot of wonderful books out there and, you know, of course you said having a granny mentor really helps because sometimes there's just those nuances of plants. How have you found that, um, have you used any of the apps like on phones? I do use a couple on occasion. Um, Mm -hmm. and let me caution people very carefully about apps because there it's almost like wikipedia people can go in and change the the actual data so it may or may not be accurate and depending on your area there are more some places are much less accurate than others Um, but whatever that app tells you make sure you go and research it now you can do that on books you can do that online um, but don't depend just on an app Um, I don't stop people, but they are just notoriously inaccurate. Uh, They're very convenient, but. Well, it sounds like I could use it similar to I do how I do Wikipedia. Like sometimes I'll start there to get words. It's a, it's a good place to start. Yes. And, you know, we're out in the woods sometimes and we'll have a book with us and find something and we either can't find it in the book or can't properly identify it in the book. So I'll snap a picture, but I don't have service. So when we get home. I can upload that picture into my app and it kind of confirms maybe what I was thinking or right. points me in the right direction. But right. I wanted someone else's opinion that does this a lot more than I do. 
Right. And what's even more important than an app is to learn just a little bit of botany. And it's really, it's really mm-hmm. impressive when you know a little bit about botany. For example, if you look at a plant or somebody hands you a twig or a flower, um, let's say someone pulled this, this uh, stem of something and you've got leaves that are opposite on that's one on either side of the stem. And then the next two above that go the other direction. So think of north, south, east, west, north, south, east, west, up the stem. Mm-hmm. And it usually will have a purple flower, um, will have some sort of fragrance, and the stem is square. You have narrowed down from 10,000 plants down to less than 1,000 because those are four indicators that you've just found a mint in the Lamiaceae family. Now, the Lamiaceae family could include sage and oregano, lemon balm, all of these different mints as well, like spearmint, peppermint, apple mint, all of those things are in the Lamiaceae family, and they all have those four characteristics. Uh, very okay. few other, other plants in other families will have all four of those characteristics. So that sounds really impressive, but it just took a just a couple minutes to learn that yeah sit alternate that would be north south and then the next two leaves will go east west and then back to north south east west purple flower square stem and some sort of fragrance that's awesome almost you could just about bet money on it that it'll be a lamy aca wonderful so same you, have, the family, you, know. you have this book uh-huh. that i'm gonna hold it up and show it so i can show everybody on uh, like Instagram and stuff as well. It is wild herb gardening. And I'll be honest, I haven't even had a chance to flip through it because I came home and my 14 year old daughter snatched it up and I was just able to get it back from her this morning because she's taking an herbs, teas and tinctures class. And she wanted to be able to take this with her. It is an absolutely wonderful book with so much information and so many good pictures. I'm just I I can't wait to dive into it myself a little bit more, but would you like to give us a little bit more information about what they can get out of this book? Sure. Um, I try to put in as much information as I possibly could. Now you'll find uh, in other books or even online, it'll say this plan is good for this, good for this, good for this, but you don't know what part of the plant or how to make it good for your body. Mm -hmm. So I try to go in depth if you're going to use this particular plant for congestion, um, you would want to make a tea like this. Or if you're going to use this plant for um, a, a scrape or a sore um, on your skin, like a bed sore, for example, you would want to use it like this. And this is why you want to use that because it's gram positive, gram negative, or it has other constituents that are healing to the skin. So I try to give you that much information and put all of that in there about that plant. Uh, if And most plants are not just good for one thing, they're good for multiple things because herbalism is all about bringing balance back to your body. Uh, if you have too much this, say your cholesterol is too high or your blood pressure is low or high, you want to come back to center. You want to balance that. It's not that you just want to lower blood pressure you want to make it so that your body will continually keep that blood pressure at a good rate that's healthy for your body. So I try to tell you things like that about the plant as well. Does it, how is it going to bring health back to balance? Um, so each 
each herb has 10, 10, 12 pages of information there. Um, so oh, that you wow. can learn all about the plant. Okay. Yeah. I, I read the first chapter at that convention we were, or the conference we were at, and I was just so impressed with all the great tips that just made it, it explained so many of the questions that I had as a beginning herbalist. So yeah. a, there's a list of, of, of uh, equipment that you may need, a strainer, a funnel, jars, things like that. Little things that help you. I try to put tips in throughout the book, uh, have two types of strainers, a regular mesh, and then make sure you get a fine mesh, coffee filters, things like that. Um, how to use the book, uh, if you're looking for just a remedy for one thing, um, how many herbs that could possibly used, be used for that, that sort of thing. I try to give a lot of information. Um, someone told me that they, uh, they felt like they were being fed with a fire hose. <laughs> so I'm like, no, take it a little, little bites, little bites. But yeah, um, but I do give a lot of information as much as I can on, on one plant. Well, I'm excited about it. I'm definitely going to link it in the show notes. And, you know, for my listeners, you'll be able to find more information about it on my website as well. Um, you also have a really, a couple of really great games for kids and beginning um, foragers, you know, to help reinstill those skills and identification. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, thank you. I uh, came up with a um, with a game called Go Forage. I'm just, I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, I see that pretty good. And I have okay. a set here at home I'll snap a okay, picture of good. too. Yeah. There's 27 cards in uh, the deck and there's uh, each deck has two matching cards. You play it like you would go fish, but this is Go Forage. So, um, for example, uh, you might say, do you have Solomon seal to the people that you play? And if nobody has it, they'll say go forage. You have to pull another card. Each of those cards of the, on the match, one has environmental, one has uses. So you get a ton of information mm -hmm. with a really good picture on how to identify. Now, that one picture is not your only identifier uh, you need to make sure you're make, getting the correct plant. However, you get a good picture so that you can see what you're talking about. And then I also give pronunciation for the family name. Like I, earlier, I said Lamiaceae. Well, Lamiaceae is the mint family, uh, but you want to learn how to pronounce that because it just looks like a big word, big Latin word. Um, mm -hmm. So I give a pronunciation. I give a family for each herb, um, lots of information on how to grow it, what zone it grows in, um, what type of soil, and then you would use it for this or that on the other card. So um, there's a lot of information on the two cards to learn about the plant. Kids love it. I, I actually created it for herbalists, but mm -hmm. the homeschoolers have been so excited about it. Um, and it's a good quality uh, uh, card, set of cards. They'll last um, and I know we're going to be using it. it in our co-op. We're going to use it at our co-op next year. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Perfect. I've already um, told the herbs, teas and tinctures gal about it and I'm taking it yeah. into her next week. So I had, a, I had a show this past weekend in Alabama and this kid came up and he wanted to buy a set. He was with his mom and he asked me how much they were. And I think he had like $2, you know, mm -hmm. and I said, I bet if I bet your mom would help you, um, would help you. Would you barter with your mom to get them? And he said, yeah, we barter all the time. So she homeschooled. <laughs> and so he wound up getting his cards. And I stepped outside for a few minutes. There were six little kids, little guys 
out front playing this game, the matching game in that's the instructions are included in the deck. They were huddled. I took a picture and I even put it on my Facebook, the oh, Go Forage Games huddle. <laughs> so they were they were really involved. So even even six, seven, eight year olds, uh, even though they may not pre- be able to pronounce the big word, they can certainly play it as well. You know, my thought on it, it's all about that exposure and letting them okay. know that this is a normal topic, that it's not exactly taboo exactly. or old fashioned or anything, that this is, this should be part of everyday life. So everyday life. I agree. Mm-hmm. I certainly agree. Then the other game that I have right now uh, is, um, I don't know if you can see that it's called uh-huh. bingo. Uh, there's six sets of cards in here. Uh, to, so six people can play and each card is, is uh, different. Uh, there's a master sheet and the playing cards uh, so that you can play bingo with up to six people. Um, I have this as a teacher pack as well, uh, but uh, I have herbal bingo for the herbs and then I also have tree bingo. Mushroom bingo will be available uh, hopefully by next month. Um, and then there's up to nine. I have nine planned right now. These are available by p- subscription, both uh, the bingos and the Go Forage game. Uh, I have 12 decks on the Go Forage game, and you can do these by subscription. You don't have to buy the whole box at once. You can buy individual per month, per the month, and I'll automatically send it to you. Um, and then I, there's a gift box that comes to a, a hold so that it would be a, a set. And that's uh, almost 300 herbs in the Go Forage. And then the the bingos, I have uh, leaf bingo, botany bingo, snake bingo, and spider bingo as well. Uh, Pollinator bingo. There's there's nine now, and I may have as many as 15 of those to go through the sciences. Um, So these would be a a, a certainly um, a um, extracurricular science, science project. Uh, to do all those or just learning you know you learn the parts of the leaf parts of a plant um so it's it's a lot of fun and i'm coming up with the pictures to show all that like the the all the different parts of a flower like the piston and, and stamen and and uh different types of petals and different leaf leaf shapes on the leaf bingo oh you so, hit my uh, nerd bone <laughs> I have a teacher friend who helps me. She's a science teacher and her kids, she's actually a homeschool. Uh, she, she teaches a homeschool group and mm-hmm. you know, she, um, it's the group all together and they're going to some really big fairs and conferences and co- competitions. And they're using the tree bingo right now because they are, they have to learn the bingos and there's 36 plants in that, um, in that tree bingo. So they're learning all of those and learning the the Latin name on those as well. I'm big on learning the botanical name simply mm-hmm. because um, several different plants like Queen of the Meadow, for example, there's two Queen of the Meadows here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be uh, Queen Anne's Lace or it could be something else. In another and it gives area. you more information, you know, exactly. behind it and stuff. I, I agree completely on that. I actually spoke on that this weekend on um that there's actually two different species of cows that we raise yeah. in the United States and mm-hmm. if you're looking at marbling things things that like come from genetics and stuff not knowing you know just thinking that you know all cows are the same they aren't so I didn't know that yeah thank you for telling yeah, me that um you know like Brahmas <laughs> Brahmas and stuff are a different breed than like our Angus's and Herefords they're oh. um 
the Anguses and Harvas are boss Tauruses and the Brahmins and stuff are uh, boss Indicus. They come from India oh, and they're actually a different species. Yeah. yeah. Great. So, I, I mean, that. I do, I, I agree with you that those proper names are important. Oh yeah. I love to geek out on something and get every little detail. <laughs> and if somebody will say, you can use this for this. And I'll say, well, you use it for everything or, or is it just in certain situations? I want to know that. I mean, just little things. I want to know all that information. Mm-hmm. So, I love it. Yeah. So, well, this is perfect because my favorite question for all of my um, guests is what does keep growing mean to you? Keep growing means, uh, Find ways to get things uh, uh, growing in your garden. Learn as much as you can. Growing is not just a plant. It's your children. It's yourself. It's your horizon. Uh, keep growing is, is just, that's just a wonderful saying to, to, to just continue to build and, and get better. Um, learning as much as you can. Uh, be a fount of information for other people. <laughs> so yeah, keep growing is a wonderful phrase. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That, that is exactly what we need to hear. Be reminded yeah. all the time to keep growing. Yes. So do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yes. Um, I uh, My website is simplehomesteadliving.com. The games are available. Uh, I, I know, uh, Cody, you're going to have... Uh, links to the to, to games mm-hmm. there on your website as well. Um, my website has recipes. My books will be available on my site uh, or Barnes and Noble. And uh, I'm not on Amazon. Um, I'm just I'm just not on Amazon. But um, but you can get them at Barnes and Noble or my my website, Simple Homestead Living. The, okay. the games will be available. The link will be there on your on your um, website as well. Most definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You've, I mean, you've taught me a ton today and given me some inspiration to get out on my property because I have people begging me to come forage my property. And I'm like, I don't even know what I have. Wonderful. Wonderful. I will be at two shows, as a matter of fact, uh, not near you there in Indiana, but in, I'll be in, I'm sorry, not in Idaho, but I will be in Indiana at the, uh, the Patriot Homestead festival this weekend oh nice uh, that'll be this weekend starting friday uh in scotts county um uh indiana and then in two weeks i'll be in ohio at the bushcraft festival i'll be teaching classes there so i'd love to see you at both of those events yeah if you guys are heading to those events make sure you stop by and see suzanne she is amazing and so much fun so thank you so much for coming on the show today and can't wait to see where our friendship takes us in the future. Wonderful. I hope to see you in person again soon. Definitely. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing.